chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, right there in verse 4, I um, was prepared, ready to do the um, series like normal, and I thought, well, we'll, we'll, twi- we'll just kind of shake it up a little bit today, seeing it's our 28th anniversary. But we're still going to start off by pointing out our theme verse for this year, but we're going to understand and recognize that this theme of a soul purpose is really something that has been an underlying theme all along. It's a priority, actually, in the ministry. It ought to be, and it's been something that has been taking place for years and years. So Acts chapter 1, verse 4, there we begin reading, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We know as we look back on the passage, we've talked about it many times, we we note that here in this particular case, these men were seeking a kingdom. And they asked the question, is it time to establish the kingdom? And understandably so, because in the Old Testament it was promised that Jesus Christ would ultimately rule and reign on the throne of David that indeed Israel would be manifest and they'd be elevated before all the nations of the earth. And yet Jesus points out that it's not that time for you to, be, to worry about that. That's nothing that I want you to focus your attention on. I don't want you to spend time thinking about it or dreaming about it. What I want you to do, however, I want you to remember you're going to receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. We drew our theme from that passage, our sole purpose. Right off the bat, he says, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's what you need to be focused on. You stay in Jerusalem. Don't do anything till the Holy Ghost falls. Don't do anything till the promised one comes. And then you're going to be witnesses unto me. And we see that the church has received their marching orders and their sole purpose. Amen. 28 years ago, Community Baptist Temple held its first service in the Lake Senior Center in Uniontown, Ohio. It was on March the 13th, 1994. I'd received a call to preach and to start a church. And that day had finally come. March the 13th. I still remember that first service. I still remember walking into that senior center and setting up those yellow chairs and putting up a table and setting a lectern on top, a lectern that my brother Jeff had made for me. And there we set that there. Nothing fancy, nothing big, but 
Those seats sat out there. That pulpit was set up. I had my Bible in my hand. I was excited as Community Baptist Temple was starting its first service and going forward with its ministry. And that day, the first day that we ever met, we had 33 people there. 33, mostly family, who didn't show up the next week. But what an exciting day it was. I walked away from that meeting knowing something very important. I knew that I had not arrived, though. I thought, boy, if I'm just a pastor, if I just have my own church, and man, I stepped into that pulpit and preached, and when it was all said and done, I realized, I haven't arrived. Now the work's really begun. See, being a preacher is not about having a title. It's not about being a CEO of a business. It's literally your life. It's your ministry. It's not just a job, although it's work. You say, well, what practices began the work there? And what brought to pass the blessings that we now enjoy today? Well, that's a good question. And I want to share just three thoughts today very quickly. Three simple practices that I believe not only laid the foundation for the church in the beginning, but also brought to pass the blessings that we enjoy today. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll consider those three things today. Father, we come to you. We thank you for all you do for us and all that you've done. What a great group that's gathered today for the express purpose of bringing honor to you. Lord, we pray that, Father, that if there be any in our midst that have yet to accept and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they would settle that today. And for the believer, Lord, may we be inspired and moved, Father, to be better for you. We live in a world, Lord, that is so distracting. There's so many things taking place all the time. We're so busy, but Lord, help us not to lose sight of you, not to forget where our hope and our health and our happiness lies. It's in you, Lord. Now bless us as we celebrate these 28 years of ministry that you gave us. And we give you the glory and the honor. In Christ's name, amen. So what practices began the work? What Practices brought to pass the blessings that we enjoy today. Number one, of course, is prayer. Prayer. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, please. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. A pretty pointed passage, actually. It's a a passage that, of course, was... One of the theme verses of Community Baptist Temple is we began the work there. In Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, we're going to read a passage that ultimately, again, laid a foundation for our ministry, prioritized it. The Bible says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. Prayer. Jeremiah He's in prison, and Judah's on the verge of captivity in this passage. The armies of the Chaldeans are closing in, and soon the nation will be overrun and taken over. 
And it's in this setting that the Lord states or says to Jeremiah, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The nation did fall, and it went into captivity. But the prayers of God's people did not go unnoticed, nor did they go unanswered. Israel would return to Jerusalem in a mighty and miraculous way. The nation of Israel was under attack. In danger of collapsing and going under, and it had already been prophesied that it would happen. And God speaks to the man of God and says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I'll show you things you can't even imagine. I will do things that are impossible if you simply ask. The children of Israel are going through the wilderness and God says, is, it, is, is God able to, the question's asked, is God able to furnish a table in the wilderness? And of course the answer is, of course he can. It doesn't matter that it's a desert area, he can still provide water and food for his people. But he ultimately tells them that they're to open their mouth wide and he would fill it. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And may I say that as a church early on, we had to recognize and realize from the very beginning to this very moment that prayer is the key to the energy and the power of God. And without prayer, there will be no prosperity. Without prayer, there will be no potential. Without prayer, there will be no power. Our nation is racing away from God and reveling in sin. There's a clear departure from the word of God and from the truth. Not only do, are we raising a generation in atheism, but we're encouraging heathenism. Idolatry is, is in fashion. It's in vogue today. And true biblical beliefs are being villainized. But may I say prayer changes lives and prayer can change a nation. I may be saddened by the current trends in our society, but I tell you this, I am sure that prayer still works. I may be concerned for the next generation, but I am confident that God will be there for them. Man, I don't feel sorry for the next generation. They have the same God that I have. They have the same access to the throne room that I've got. And may I say that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And I'll tell you, as we move forward in Community Baptist Temple and in the lives of each and every one of you, may I say that until we get on our knees, we'll never see God come down from heaven and do the work that He said He would. It's important and it's essential that we pray. Through the years, we've seen God do so many miracles. Of course, we can't help but go back to a day and a time in our church history with six years of age. We were blowing out the seams at the Lake Senior Center. We literally had classrooms meeting in tents outside, and we had, we had every room in the place packed with children, and we're moving desks aside and, 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 and bookcases over so that we could fit classrooms into offices. Still remember praying and begging God and saying, we need you to do a miracle. Man, we had hoped to buy a piece of auction property, but before it was over with, they would not rezone it so that we could utilize it. 
It was a commercial piece of property. Churches don't have to be on commercial. They can be in residential. And, and the town, the, 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 the leaders there in that place wouldn't rezone it because they didn't want to lose the business and the taxes. And I still remember going there and saying, listen, let's rezone it. Would you let us use it? We just want an opportunity to bid on the property. No, we'll not rezone it for you. Man, I left that, that meeting that night discouraged. And I still remember that rain coming down real lightly. And I stood outside and I lifted my face to heaven. I said, oh God, we need somewhere to meet. We're blowing out the doors. We've got to do something. God, you've got to do something. Without you, we can do nothing. And I said, God, I'm tired of asking for a good deal. I don't want a good deal. I want you to give us something. And I still remember going to a building around the corner and it's still there to this day. And I said, Lord, if you want to give us that building there, we'll take it. I ran down to an old schoolhouse that was abandoned, and they'd started putting other businesses in, but at the moment, nobody was there. And I said, Lord, if you'll give us that building, we'll take it. But I don't want you to do a good deal. I want you to give it to us that many shall see it in fear and trust in the Lord. I said, Lord, if there's another building, you want to give it to us, that's fine. Two months later, I received a phone call. The preacher said, you've got people. We got a building. If you want the building, it's yours. And I said, well, I'll have to pray about it. You say, why would you pray about it? He asked me that question about six months after we'd been in the building. Why did you have to pray about it? I said, because I always believed God would give us a building only three miles away. It was five miles And after a week, the Lord said, are you stupid? I'm answering your prayer. Won't you just accept it? And man, I remember talking to that preacher, and I eventually met with him and a couple trustees. Brother Regal was one of those trustees, and, and, and Mr. Harris Sr. was another one of those trustees. And we met in that, that, that place, and I mean to tell you, that, that restaurant across the street... Man, we just sat there and talked for a while and laid out a few things. And man, I mean to tell you, it came together. It just worked out. And come April of 2000, the doors opened one day as Community Baptist Temple. Man, what a blessing it was. There was a handful of such sweet people that were already there. Just a, it wasn't a lot of people, but a sweet people. Of course, ours were sweeter. Okay, so they weren't. But nonetheless, we still got together. What a wonderful thing it was. And God blessed. Buildings, no money at all. Eventually was able to get the house next door. We got a van thrown in the, the mix. Every, just God literally answered the prayer. Over a million dollars worth of properties just given to us. prayer. Boy, it laid a foundation early in the ministry, and it continues to this day. The offices that we were using for so many years. I remember the gentleman next door, he had a, a business. It was called Bedrooms Today, and of course, there's a Bedrooms Today there now, by the way. Not the same owner, but somebody that knew the owner. And uh, we needed space. We were running out of space in our present buildings now, those ones that were given to us, and we needed more room. 
And I still remember telling one of the uh, preachers, uh, Brother Davison, he said, you're going to have to get more space, brother. You're going to end up having people just, they're, they're, you're just, you need to get a new parking lot. You need to get some more space. And I said, well, that's got a lot of money. We don't have much money. And he said, well, you better do that. There was about three or four things he told me we needed to do to grow. Brother Davison, he knew a little bit about those things. Well, we did get the parking lot. Funny thing, it cost us, what, fifty-two dollars or $54,000. We were sweating that one. That's nothing today, right? The last one was 210000 But we needed space. A gentleman comes to me and says, listen, I've tried to rezone some property. I just bought that house and those three lots right there, right there behind the building, and they won't let me rezone it for commercial you have a piece of commercial property right on the edge there. If you'll give me that 50 by 175 piece of ground, I'll give you the house and the three lots that go with it. And that thing was a nightmare, by the way, because we, we used to go out that way, and the rock would go into the street. We had to keep going out and shoveling it back in. You know who got to do that early on? I got rid of that property. It was like, we're doing that, right, guys? They're like, yes, sir. And sure enough, we got rid of that, we got that property, and God gave us more room. He gave us that house and those properties. I'm telling you, God answered prayer. Prayer. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Prayer. Number two, personal soul winning. Personal soul winning. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30 is our, well, was last week's, wait, last week's memory verse. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. As a church, you've got to be out trying to witness and win people to Christ, but as individuals, you have to be doing the same thing. Because we are the church, right? He says, you'll be witnesses unto me. Fulfilling their sole purpose. Well, we have a sole purpose. Reaching the world with the gospel. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Do you have that on there? Can you put that up on the screen, please, if you know what we're talking about? Hopefully you do. <laughs> there we go. All right, it's a little hard to see, maybe, if you're hard of seeing. Hard to see if you're hard of seeing. That's, yeah. But you'll notice here, Here's, I'm just going to show you a few numbers. In 1995, we started the church in 94. In 1995, you'll notice that uh, I personally led five people to Christ that year. Five people to the Lord. The church as a whole saw eight people come to Christ. 37 people attended the church at that point on, in general that year. That was the average attendance for Sunday morning, 37. In 1996, I led 10 people to Christ. Church souls were 15 and there were 39 we averaged that year. So we only went up a couple that year. In 1997, I led 18 folks to Christ. The church as a whole led 39 people to Christ. And there were 59 people that we were averaging. Now, I want you to understand that between 1995 and 1997, something happened. And what happened was, is that I decided in my heart that I needed to become a soul winner. I realize that being a preacher is not enough. That it's not just a preacher in name. I've got to care about souls. I've got to be concerned about people. And so I had, an all, I had what I thought was going to be an all-night prayer meeting with me and God. 
I still remember this day, and I looked over the notes just last, uh, yesterday afternoon, and I saw all the notes. I went through the whole book of Matthew that night, and I went through every verse where it talks about Christ and when he interacted with people, and I wrote them out, and I wrote little thoughts below them, and I sit and saw all of those things. I had probably four pages of notes from that night, and I just wanted to get the feel, and I wanted the mind of Christ, and I wanted to become a soul winner. I didn't want to just simply be a preacher. I wanted to be accomplishing what God called me to do, and that's change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And boy, about two o'clock in the morning, the Lord said, go to bed. And I thought, what are you talking about? I don't feel any different. He said, go to bed. It was that week, I believe, I had an opportunity to lead three people to Christ. And I mean, you look at the numbers, you realize that was a big number at that point. And can I tell you that over the next year, year and a half, God began working in my life. And let me just read you a passage. This was three weeks after I had that event. And I want you to listen because I think sometimes we get discouraged in our outreach. We sometimes think that everything should be different overnight. But let me read to you what I wrote just three weeks after my prayer meeting. Here's my entry in my journal. I find myself forever struggling to keep my focus and priorities straight. Souls must be foremost And apathy is a constant enemy of mine. I get so busy with messages, study, work, family, visitation, counseling, and the like that I shamefully admit my goal of souls is somewhat obscured. I ask God, I ask God even this morning to again come to my aid and empower me, anoint me for uh, uh, greater than before. My desire is to be a soul winner for for Christ's sake to be instrumental in in seeing souls saved, I often am filled with with frustration as my desire, spirit, is willing, but the flesh is weak. May God help me to put feet to my prayers, to be encouraged as I go house to house, visit to visit. I desire a constant burden that waxes not. At times I I, uh, feel that I must work too hard for a burden that should already be there. But I suppose if it was so natural, more would be engaged in it. And surely the saying, if it's worth getting, it's worth working for, does have its merit. Now listen, I must work these types of questions out between me and my Savior. But for now, I seek his face and another lost soul to share Christ with. I'm telling you that just because you're a preacher doesn't mean you always have the right heart. Just three weeks earlier, I'm on my knees and I'm begging God to make me a soul winner. I'm I'm, I'm writing out the book of Matthew and trying to figure it out, and God gives me three souls in just a week later, but three weeks later, I'm going, God, I still need a burden. God, don't let it slip. God, help me to be found faithful to you in this area of soul winning. Let me tell you something. I'm sure you fight with that sometimes too. But look what happened. In 1997, 18, and then the church was 39 souls. Notice 1998 now, 37 souls, 85 souls, and our church attendance is climbing. By 1999, I led 25 to the Lord. We saw 140 souls as a church come to Christ, and we saw 133 average in our church in 1999. 
By the year 2000, we saw 104, and we saw 205 average. We saw 120 souls, 267. By 2002, we were at 300, still over 100 souls being led to Christ. I'm not saying that we were perfect, and I'm not saying we couldn't have done better, but let me tell you something. It didn't happen by chance. It happened right here. That's how it happened. It wasn't great preaching. You know that. It wasn't just a great program, although we did our best to make sure it was decent and in order. That made the difference right there. See, it's not people coming here. It's us taking him out there. That's what made the difference at Community Baptist Temple. That's what changes lives. Jesus Christ. Not this church, not this building, not this program, but Jesus Christ. Just yesterday, my son Caleb and I went out. Let me tell you, this is still a priority to your pastor. We had a chance to see a young man come to Christ yesterday. Caleb started him. I finished the job. We tag-teamed. And it worked like a champ. And today he's here to be baptized. Amen? He's a good brother. He loves the Lord Jesus. He's going to get baptized. Can you believe that? You say, really? Yeah, it still works is what I'm trying to say. It still works, folks. I didn't know what was going to happen, and you don't know what's going to happen, but what we do know is that the one who makes it happens with us. And when we go and knock those doors, and when we go to our family and our community and friends and others in our lives, that's when things happen because we're taking him to them and not expecting them to come to him without provocation. Hey, I'm telling you, personal soul winning, and as a church, winning souls, that's what ultimately makes the difference in a church. Churches are dying in America. I'll tell you the first reason for it. They don't believe soul winning works. That's the main reason. And sadly enough, many of the preachers would be a lot better shape if they just got off their high horses and got out in the community and started knocking a few doors. Man, we're not CEOs. We're not the head of an organization or institution. We're servants of God. We got to be doing the work. And sometimes that gets difficult. There's a lot to do. But that's what I believe God blessed early on in our church, and I believe he still continues to bless our church because of the emphasis, that sole purpose. You can put that back up, sole purpose, please. But you'll see there that the numbers increased because the soul winning increased. Folks, listen, it's not by chance. It's not coincidental. God blesses those who obey him. And he gives us that sole purpose. And he said he'd fill us with the Spirit of God and then we're to go out and be witnesses unto him. You don't necessarily just have to knock on a door. You can talk to your buddy at work. Talk to your family member or friend. But let's get the job done. Because in the end, that's the only way they're going to know him and end up in heaven. I'm trying to find my lesson. There it is, my message. And I'm going to give you the last one. Here it is. Three simple thoughts, three things. As we talked about already, this is crazy. I've got to get rid of this stuff. Sorry. 
I don't like things on the table like that because if they're watching live stream, they might see it. I like it clean. <laughs> this is the way I am. Number one, we said prayer. Number two, personal soul winning. But number three, praise. Praise. Amen. You say, what, what practices began the work? What brought about or brought to pass the blessings that we enjoy today? Again, prayer, personal soul winning, and praise. Turn to Psalm chapter 40, verse 1. Psalm chapter 40, verse 1. Again, this is one of those passages that we began the ministry with. Jeremiah 33, 3, and Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. Those were our theme verses at Community Baptist Temple. 28 years ago, they were our themes. Before we ever opened the door, they were already our theme verses. Psalm chapter 40, verse 1. The psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And hath, he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Man, isn't that wonderful? You know, it's a funny thing how when you start praying and experience the miracles of God, you got something to praise God about. It's easy to praise God. When he's working and moving and in some cases answering prayers in a miraculous way, sometimes he just gives you the opportunity to minister and that in and of itself is all grace. But man, you've got reasons to praise the Lord Jesus Christ and so do I. As we share the good news of the gospel and people get saved, we got good reason to praise the Lord. Man, we're watching God do the supernatural when we see God working in a life like that. We got good reason to praise Him. Not only that, but He's done something in our own lives. My, we've seen Him work and move. We've seen Him put our feet on a solid rock. We've recognized that He's given us a new song in our mouth, and that is praise unto God. Boy, when you praise the Lord, people take notice. They don't always like it, but they take notice. Most people don't mind it, but some may not like it. But as we pray and experience the miracles of God, as we share the good news of the gospel and people get saved, as we observe in the transformation and growth of God's people, man, there's so many reasons to thank and praise the Lord. Just, it's unbelievable. And man, early on in the ministry, I was so grateful just to be given the privilege to be able to be counted worthy to be in the ministry. I couldn't believe that God would allow me to start a church. I still remember early on thinking, God, you know what? I'll do whatever you want me to do. God, I'll, I'll start a church if you want me to start a church. I'll, I'll be a missionary if you want me to be a missionary. I'll be an evangelist if that's what you call me to do. Whatever you want, I'll do it. And then he called, you're going to start a church. And I thought, you sure you? Me? Start a church from nothing? Yeah, you. Okay. Man, I thought I'd be gung-ho. I thought I'd be ready to go. And all of a sudden, I started thinking, yeah, but what? what? I thought, yep, the Lord's with me. We're going to go forward. We're going to get the job done, and God's going to bless it. And then I thought, well, we won't have nothing to offer anybody. It'll just be me and my family. We don't have any Sunday school classes. We don't have any choir. We don't have any music program. We don't have any of that stuff. Why would anybody want to come to that church? And the Lord said, don't you worry about that. Even as I call you as a pastor, I'll call a people. I went, okay. 
So every service, I led the singing. Every service, I sang the special. Every service, I preached the message. Can I tell you, for five years, that's how it went? He said, yeah, but you were running almost 120 by then, 130 people or more. That's when I believed we were ready to have a choir because I didn't want one any earlier than we could at least field 20 to 25 people. I'm not a fan of having an ensemble called a choir. That's my opinion now. And that's how we did it. So when we hit that number and I felt we had somebody that could help with that, we started the choir. Man, God blessed us though. We had so many reasons to praise God. I'm in the ministry. My family, look what God's doing. He's meeting our needs financially. He's providing for us, not only as a church, but in my own personal life. Man, I was praising God all the time. And I still praise him because I have no one to thank but him. And the truth is, as you and I praise the Lord every day, not just for our ministry, but for our family and for everything that he provides us with, people will take notice. But if we stay silent, the psalmist says, he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Man, when you come to Jesus Christ, notice a couple things that happen right off the bat. The Bible says that he brings you up out of a horrible pit. The Bible teaches us in Romans, uh, it, it, it tells us that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are in the muck and the mire of sin prior to coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. But man, I'll tell you what, he takes us up out of that muck and mire. And the Bible says he plants our feet on a solid rock. And that rock is none other than Jesus Christ himself. And can I tell you, if you're trusting in anyone or anything other than Jesus, friend, you're missing the mark. Because Christ is the only one that can provide you with the stability and the strength that you need, not only to endure and to handle life, but to enter eternity successfully and to ultimately dwell with him forever. Man, I mean to tell you, you plant your feet on a solid rock the moment you get saved. Jesus Christ. You're secure, you're strong, and you're capable of overcoming all the obstacles that life can throw at you and that the devil's going to try to trip you up with. The question is, how grateful will we be? How thankful will we be? Will we allow the devil to trick us into believing that God's not everything he claimed to be? Or tell us how that gospel can't be that easy, that simple? We start to doubt it even right off the bat. He put a new song in my mouth, it says. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He puts a new song in our mouth. Man, what a wonderful thing. that If you don't know Christ today as your Savior, you are cheating yourself out of the best life ever. And I'm, let me just say this. If you know somebody that's a Christian and is... Their, their chin is dragging the ground all the time, my friend. Let me tell you, that's not how it's supposed to be, nor is it how it has to be. I'm telling you today that you can have joy in your heart and hope and peace and purpose in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, but as many as received unto them gave you power to become the sons of God. And Jesus saith unto her in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Man, what a wonderful thing it is to be in ministry. And can I tell you, not just to pastor a church, but to minister in churches. 
You get to minister. You have opportunity to give your life to the ministry, to the ministry of the Lord Jesus. You, like those disciples, stand there on that mountainside and you're listening to the Holy Spirit of God and the Lord Jesus Christ tell you that you're to be witnesses unto Him. The question is, will you? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to empower you? Will you allow yourself to be given to the work of Christ, the work of the ministry? Community Baptist Temple, we look around us and this building alone is an answer to prayer. It never would have happened without God. God had to do it. Anything that's accomplished here has to be Him, but He'll use you and me and each of us as we yield ourselves to Him. What do you see for church, for the church, Community Baptist? Where do you see yourself at Community Baptist Temple? What part do you see yourself playing in the future here? What role do you want to play? What purpose would you like to fulfill here? You say, well, I'm waiting on the Lord to tell me. I'll tell you one thing would be a good thing. Why don't you just find yourself getting plugged into every single training you can possibly get trained into. Get plugged into discipleship if you haven't already. Take steps to move yourself in a direction so that the Lord can steer you. And don't close any doors. Tell him, I will do whatever you want me to do because I just want to see myself in five years up to here serving you. It'll be amazing what he'll do in your life, your marriage, your family when you truly yield yourself to him completely. And you say, but I can do that without giving myself to the church. No, you can't. He died for the church. He died for the church, friend. There's no way. This church is important to him. It's his bride. This idea that it's not important to me as a believer, but it's important to my Lord. Hmm. That don't make a lot of sense to me. That's like saying I hate kids, but he loves them. Don't make no sense to me. I can't stand certain people, but he loves them. Well, who's controlling your life? Think about the memory verse this week. Who, who, remember, who, who knows the memory verses for this week? What's the, what's the location of it again? I forgot already. Anybody know? No, 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 no. I'm talking about for next week. 1 John 4.20. Turn there real quick, and we're done. We're not going to waste a lot of time here. 1 John 4.20. Just look at this verse for next week. It just kind of sets the stage a little bit. I just want you to see it. Sometimes we're anomalies, you know, we, we're, we're, or we're, 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 I forget what the word is I'm looking for, but we don't, we say one thing, but we we do another. Look at this verse. This is great. We were talking about this in class for a while, and I'm sure that's why Brother Kavanaugh was so late. <laughs> and some of you in this class are going, trust me, that's not why. Every week we have to look at our watches. No, but anyway. He does 20-minute sermons here, by the way just like the preacher does. But anyway, chapter 4, notice this in verse 20. Here's our verse for this week. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. Now watch, this is interesting. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen. Notice, he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen. How can he love God whom he hath not seen? It's not just a matter of, I don't hate nobody, but do you love them? But I don't hate them. Do you love them? Because that's what it says there. 
He qualifies what he said earlier in the passage. It was interesting. It was brought out in class today by some of the, the members of the class. But notice this. I love God, and if any man say, I love God and hated his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen. How can he love God, whom he hath not seen? What he's trying to do is get us to understand that our love and our actions need to be practical in the Christian life. Man, there's people out there that need Jesus. Why does this church exist at all? To bring glory to God, yes. How do we do that, though? By being obedient to Him. By fulfilling His commands. By obeying Him and every, meticulously obeying Him. Man, I just want to encourage you and myself as a church. 28 years we've been at this. Boy, we have watched God do miracles, haven't we? But He's not done yet. But the truth is, a lot of that's up to us, isn't it? Let's make sure that we are what we need to be so that God can use us as he chooses. Do you know Christ is your Savior? You say, I, I think so. If you died, I mean, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? I would imagine. I didn't ask that. Do you know for sure? Well, I can't say that for sure. I'm telling you the Bible says you can. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, the Bible makes it very clear. It says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You can know that. Wouldn't you like to know that today? Wouldn't you like to know that Christ is your Savior, that heaven's your home, that the Holy Spirit literally will live in you and help you guide you, direct you, and lead you, provide for you, and protect you through life. Not saying the troubles won't come, but he'll be with you through it all. Don't you want Christ in your life? You owe him that. He gave his life for you. He literally came and died for you. He created you. It's not a matter of what do I get, but what do I get to give him? You get to give him yourself. That's the blessing. You get to say, I know you created me, and I know that you gave me all the, the strength and the abilities that you did. Lord, I owe you everything. I'm just going to give back what's yours anyway. I want you to have what's rightfully yours. See, when you don't get saved, you're cheating God what he, out of what he created. You owe him. And the only thing you can do to please him is to trust his son and the provision that he made on Calvary for you. Trust Jesus today. Settle your soul's salvation. 28 years. You know, I got this sneaking suspicion that I won't be around in 28 years. I won't be the one standing here preaching that message. Well, let me say this, though. I hope there's a lot of people that I can one day fellowship with in heaven that heard it, though. You know what? All of us can take people with us. Let's work at this. Let's be praying the way we need to pray. Let's be personally soul winning the way we ought to. Not just out door knocking on a Tuesday or Saturday, but literally being a witness for him. And let's be praising the master because he deserves all the praise. And even when life is not going the best that we'd like it to go, he's still worthy of it. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for all you do for us. And Lord, today in our midst, there may be those that are without Christ. I pray that they would see a need to come to you and trust you today. 
Lord, we ask, dear God, that you would meet our needs now. Father, work and move in our midst. Help us, Lord, to be found faithful to you as believers. And we do those things that are pleasing. God of heaven, help us. Please help us. Lord, we thank you for 28 years, but truthfully, we can't live on our past successes. We can't live on our past successes. All we can do is obey you today. Help us, Lord, to obey you today. There might be a Christian even in our midst, Lord, that needs to confess sin in their life. Holy Spirit of God, convict us of it. Maybe somebody's struggling to love a brother or sister. Oh, they know they're saved, but they're not acting much like the child of God they ought to be because they're unwilling to forgive and unwilling to move forward with it. I pray, dear God, that you would do this work in our lives. And Lord, for the person that doesn't know for sure heaven's their home, today is the day of their salvation. Draw them to you, and may they turn from their sin and trust the Lord Jesus Christ today. We'll thank you. We'll praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye